Hello and welcome to the High View Podcast, a gospel-centered conversation exploring theology, culture, and life in the local church. I'm your host, Tyler Sweat, the pastor of Connection and Community at High View Church, and today I am sitting here with Joshua Hildebrandt and Chadwick Williams. What's I, up, everybody? I don't even know if that's your actual first name. Is it? No, no it's just Chad. No. Okay. But I will call him that from now on. We Shoot. talked about the K in Joshua K. Hildebrandt. Correct. Yeah, in correct. One episode. Yep. Keith. Mm. Keith. Keith Green. Named yeah. after Keith Green. Named after the, the Christian artist enough. great, Keith Green. Yeah. If you haven't listened to his music. It's because you're born in the 80s. Yeah, it's, it's phenomenal. I love I <laughs> Keith Green or music. Or sooner. Great piano player, Wait. great songwriter. Who, who's Keith Green? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. There you go. Well, we have... Uh, We've been excited about this for quite some time now. We are, uh, we're adding some new things, trying some things different here in the podcast, and we have just started a brand new series of episodes that is going to take us on a journey through our 10 mm. Highview core baseline fundamental commitments, things that we are aiming for, things that we have um, seen to be true in our culture. Um, but there, these are 10 things that we want to make sure everything we do is, um, aiming at as, as a quality. Um, yeah. So 10 commitments. We, t- we did an introductory episode where we kind of talked about why we have these commitments. Um, and today we want to start with unpacking our first core commitment. And so we're going to be talking about gospel centeredness and the way we describe that is that we are shaped and informed by the gospel. So I guess the best place to start is with what do we mean by gospel? If we're saying we're gospel-centered, um, centered on this gospel, what is it? What, what is the gospel? Yeah, the gospel is the good news of Jesus' life, death, burial, and resurrection. So it's, it's, it's a historic event with theological implications that are massive for every human being on the planet who has lived and ever will live. Mm. Um, and so that is when we talk about the gospel, we're, we're, we're not talking about, uh, life tips. We're not talking about advice. We're talking about news. Um, that's, that's what the word literally means. And so when we say gospel, we're talking about what Jesus did, um, who Jesus was, and then the implications of that. So Jesus life, death, burial, resurrection, that is the gospel itself. Mm. Josh, anything you would add to the gospel? <laughs> and be cursed. And no, I mean, I mean, I do agree. you have another gospel? That, you know, <laughs> no, I think uh, I think I'll just ditto Pastor Chad. That's um, that's well said. Yeah. So essentially, yeah, that's it's a story. It's news. We, yep. we emphasize that a lot at here at Highview. Story is a helpful. Term. Yeah, it's yeah. it's a it's a narrative, but it's like it's a the story. It is our story. Right. It's not just a book. You know, when we read the Bible and we're, we're hearing the gospel, um, it's not fables. It's not moralistic kind of right. stories that we string together in a book that instructs us in that way. It's telling us the story of who God is, who we are and, and how he's restoring the broken right. image. And it's also us. one thing that's important. A lot of people confuse this. You know, we, we have a question that we'll ask in our membership process, you know, basically what is the gospel? And a lot of people at this point give us their testimony, which yeah. that may yeah. be a result of the gospel, but that's not the gospel. Right. Like my yeah. life is totally changed now, and that's that's good news. That's not the good news. Yeah. Right. And and so, just like Pastor Chad said, the gospel is the good news that 
that God, you know, is holy. Um, man was sinful and there's a really big problem there and yeah. God had a solution to fix it. And there's, and here's the news, what that solution was and what it means for you. Amen. Amen. So why, let me ask you this. Why do we need the gospel at the center of everything we do? Why do we, why do we say gospel centered? Yeah. Well, mainly because we have a, we are designed to have a story drive everything we do. So we are designed with this and, and it's, and it shows itself in our obsession with media and in our obsession with even things like news. Um, why is something like, uh, political news, um, and intrigue? Why is that Mm -hmm. so compelling? Because it's a story and we like to see ourselves as a part of a story and God made us to be beings that kind of operate out of story. Yeah. And so every single day, something, some story is driving everything you do. And so to say gospel-centered is mm-hmm. to say that the story of who Jesus is and what he accomplished is the motivating, driving narrative behind why the world has meaning in it, You know, what is eternal life, what is true love, what... All of those things are informed by the God. More on that later, yeah. but but that's the idea because we are story creatures. We are creatures of story, and so we we that's why we binge watch. That's why we yep. dive into the. We are just obsessed with story, mm-hmm. and we particularly are obsessed with the concept of read. And this is part of the what one of the things gospel centeredness protects us from. We are prone to because we're so wrapped up in story and we're so driven by story, making ourselves mm-hmm. the center of our story, yeah. which is, which is counterintuitive. Like we're not, we're actually not the center of our own story. Right. Yeah. And that's what it means to be gospel centered. It means that that narrative is driving everything. Yeah. So that's what I was going to plug into that last statement. Chad said there that the centeredness of our own worldview. And so being gospel centered regularly, reassociates us and makes us realize that the center to all of this is is God and being mm. reconciled to God. Yep. And so, you know, if you just you consider, you know, whatever is the center of your universe, everything revolves around that. If you're the center of your universe, yeah. then your yeah. job, your family, in some way, you're like you're the sun and everything else is resolving around that, revolving yeah. around that. Yeah. And um, gospel-centered means that you're, you're reorienting What's the center of the universe and your universe and yeah. why you exist? And so from the, the biggest decisions in your life to the smallest decisions in your life, there are implications. That doesn't mean we're talking about the gospel story, you know, death, burial, and resurrection, but it does mean the implications of that filter through all of your life now. Yeah, we do this all the time. So, for example, um, Josh could come to me and say, hey, man, everything okay? You doing okay today? Um, when the story that's driving how I feel maybe you now we've had some issues at home and we've had some, yeah, a, a yeah. story is, or, or maybe, you know, you see someone just their countenance falls, whatever it might be. They get off the phone. You ask them, Hey, what was that about? Everything. Okay. I got some bad news. They'll say that. Yeah. Bad news, bad news change. Suddenly everything's changed about that entire day. That day's story is now, that story. And so again, we, we know intuitively 
that we feel this way and that story and narrative drives our life and the way we live. Yeah. Think about it like breaking news. So we all have this running narrative of like what's happening in the world. And then it's like bombshell, breaking news. Now we're supposed to readjust how we view the world based off of this new news. Hmm. It changes our perspective. The gospel is the bombshell news of all time. September just 11th. All, yeah. And everything, everything re- reorients. And the gospel is that right. type of news. Yep. And yeah. forever and always, our lives are affected by this reality, this statement. Yes. And that's gospel-centered. It begins to change things and really kind of permeate out. You know, One of the things we talk about is um, the, the imagery of, of massaging this mm-hmm. into every area, almost like a, um, it's like a saturation or uh, a piece of meat that's marinating in, yeah. in some flavor. Like we want that flavor of the gospel to, to impact every area of our life with its, uh, with what it's trying to communicate, which then we ask the question, okay, how, how does the gospel at its, if it's at the center of everything we do, um, how does it impact those other areas of our lives? And so we describe being gospel-centered, or we phrase being gospel-centered as this um, this statement, we are shaped and informed by the gospel. So what, what does it mean, or what do we mean by shaped and informed? So to be informed, let me start with informed. I'll start backwards. Uh, to be informed by the gospel is to hear the news and to understand the news and then to understand or dive into and grasp the theological implications of that news. So, for example, here's, here's a bit of news, um, just objective truth. Jesus Christ was resurrected bodily from the dead. That's, mm. that's a part of some objective truth found in the gospel story, right? Yeah. Um, but I'm telling you that, and that doesn't mean you're informed. That's the beginning of being informed. But now we go... What does that mean for me? Well, it means that we can be sure that in Christ we have been justified. Uh, according to the book of Romans, we've been justified. So now you are um, being informed by news, but then being kind of in a, in a further way, in a, more, uh, in a, in a very profound way, being uh, informed on a deeper level of the implications mm-hmm. of that news. So Jesus was resurrected. Okay, that's one bit of the being informed piece. Now, what does that mean? It means that I can be certain that I've my sins were paid for, um, that God raised him to do that, mm-hmm. to, to show that those sins were, were paid for. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I think another aspect of the informed by the gospel is, um, you know, all of life is speaking a message to us. So I think of like sickness. Here's a, here's a great example. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and um, you know, for those people that are struggling with sickness or maybe it's a chronic illness or... Um, a disability, that you are informed about that condition, okay? But the gospel informs a greater truth to that reality to us, right? And it, and it speaks to us. So we're not informed in this life by just the, the things of this life. Like, they speak a yeah. certain word, but there's a deeper word that is a, a gospel-affirming word um, that's an eternal word um, that that the Christian has to hear above and beyond uh, you know, what this world is speaking to us. Not that we ignore it or that it's not true, but that there's a deeper reality mm. that's a gospel truth to, uh, to the things that this world is trying to inform us and, you know, that information that's trying to be transmitted to us. So I think what we're saying as well is being informed by the gospel doesn't just mean being or having, possessing information about the gospel. Right. That's part of it. I think you know, you're both implying this, that, 
there's there are things that we need to know, but those things that we know have to have to do something. They have to change the way we think. They have to begin to shape our worldview. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just enough to have a degree in Bible studies, you know, or to read commentaries on Scripture or to have information. If that information isn't then shaping you in a, yeah. in a certain way. Here, here's a, a scripture that kind of speaks to how the gospel informs the situation um, on a different level. We do not grieve as those who have no hope. Yeah. Right. So yeah. if, if, if I have no gospel truth and a certain tragedy happens to me in this life and, and I'm just, I just have to live through it, there's a grieving that I will do along with everyone else that doesn't have gospel hope or the hope of resurrection. Yeah, but yeah. but with the hope of resurrection, with as a gospel promise, I don't grieve the same way. So I'm informed yeah. differently about that grief. The gospel informs me differently. So th- this is where we move from informed to also being shaped by the gospel. So Chad, what does it mean to be shaped by the gospel? Yeah, to be shaped by the gospel is referring to the outward expression of the uh, inner uh, information, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's it's saying the gospel fundamentally changes the way I view my neighbor. It fundamentally changes the way I view service. It fundamentally changes the way I love my wife. It, but all, all of those things, it fundamentally addresses all of those things. So it works itself out. And that's what it means to be shaped by the gospel. The gospel informs us, and then the outworking of that is the shaped piece. And, and that's, it's really speaking to the outward working of the gospel in your life. Fundamentally, like how does the gospel change the way you mm-hmm. interact with the world, the way you view mission, the way you view purpose, the way you view everything? Um, it's the outworking of it. Yeah, absolutely. It's like Chad mentioned 9-11 a minute ago, and, and that was a life-altering kind of event uh, you know, for Americans and in some ways maybe even the world. But you know, I, I like to read uh, fiction books, and, and I read tragedies. I read stories of tragedy often mm. in these books, but, but I'm not shaped by that tragedy. Yeah. So yeah. I still possess the knowledge of it. I possess the information of it, but it's not, sha- it's not a shaping knowledge per se. Right. Um, but, but 9-11 was, right, because it was, it was a different type of knowledge. It was rooted in reality. And so the gospel is a type of news that has to come into us and change us. It just, it's just not news we know about but news that we process and at the deepest levels begins to shape us. And I think the thing about, you know, as when we say this, it's, it's not something that happens all at once either. Like I'm still Mm -hmm. being shaped by the gospel. My parenting is still being shaped. The the type of husband I am, the type of pastor, the type of man. And so the gospel is continuing to do a work in me day by day. You know, we may call the process of that sanctification or whatever, but um, yeah, the gospel has a shaping work in the lives of believers. Amen. So essentially what we're saying when we say to be gospel centered means that we're shaped and informed by the gospel means that we, we fight for a balance within that. So I think we, we see in different you know, streams of doctrinal focus, different streams of church life. We can see some that are, uh, I've seen this, some people that are really intently focused on their activity mm-hmm. being sure. loving or being, um, you know, in some way displaying grace and mercy, mm-hmm. um, but that being void of sound doctrinal clarity. Right. Sure. And then on the other side, you have those guys that are like, you just, you only need to be informed 
and your activity is just being more informed, right? right? Like mm-hmm. you need to fight for more information, right? Um, be more informed about the gospel. Um, so how do we how do we develop a balance between those two things? One, I think it's seeing that the the connection between the two, mm-hmm. um, and valuing both, um, valuing both aspects. Uh, I think so many churches um, kind of see their niche as is one of the other. You know, we're going to be a church that really cares about theology, or we're going to be a church that really cares about serving our neighbor, or, or, or missional engagement, or whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, but the gospel in, in the New Testament, <clears throat> specifically, does not allow us to make that judgment call and say yep. we're going to care about this. Yeah. Because it feels easier for us, or feels more comfortable to us. Yeah. Um, or whatever it might be, that is simply not an option. So realizing that you don't have a choice. Yeah. About this issue. Well, I think we see this, like you said, throughout the New Testament. One of the passages that came to my mind was Second Peter chapter 1, where he says that God's divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, so our activity, yep. to be shaped by the gospel through the knowledge of him who calls us to right. his own glory and Great. excellence. Yep. So both of those we need. We can only have the shaped godly life with the knowledge of God. All of the pastoral epistles... Um, are doing are, are are doing those two things. Yeah, they're either giving theology, correcting theology, correcting doctrine, informing mm-hmm. the gospel um, in a particular church setting, um, or they are saying push the gospel into these parts of your life because the way that you're partaking the Lord's table, Corinthian church, is just simply not adorning the gospel at all. Yeah, and so he's either correcting the the behavior or the outworking and saying this is not consistent with the gospel or he's just informing you on the gospel if you're mm-hmm. if you're Paul uh, a Peter uh, a John yeah uh, you know you you that's what you're doing and so the, realizing that those two things are are absolutely like impossible to separate yep. yeah. and uh, it, it is the first step I think yeah I think a huge part of it too is worship and um, what I mean by that is the the gap between information and change, right? Or, you mm-hmm. know, from head knowledge to heart knowledge, if we're talking about being informed and being shaped as head yeah. knowledge and heart knowledge, um, is, is bridged uh, in a large degree by worship. So what do we do with that information when we get it? Mm. Do we hold it and do we make the information itself the idol because we know things? Mm. We can I do read that. this book. Or, or, do, we, do, or mm. do we bow down in front of the God who yeah. embodies that and worship, Amen. you know, and, and that creates, that's how we're shaped. What we behold, we become, right? And so really beginning to, to see that this information is not to, to puff us up, but to cause awe and wonder and to cause us to worship. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that's a big part of it. Yeah, you have, you have those two groups of people who go, you have one group of people who say uh, the classic um, preach the gospel and when, when necessary, use words. Mm-hmm. That's ridiculous. Yep. The gospel is news. Mm-hmm. So no one comes in and gives breaking news by, yeah. you know, showing acting it out. Outward, right. Yeah. Acting it out. That's, that's not true. But anyone who's, anyone who's received that news will show it. Correct. Exactly. Right. hundred percent. So, so it's, it's definitely, it, yeah, it's also not, uh, well, the gospel is just news that doesn't affect anything or shouldn't work itself out in your life. It's, it's, it's certainly both. Yeah. Uh, so as we think about this particular statement about gospel centeredness being a commitment for Hivey Church, what does it look like for a church or a ministry in our church to be shaped and informed by the gospel? 
what does it look like for a church to be gospel centered? Yeah. So uh, I think a couple things <clears throat> immediately kind of pop out. Um, particularly when it comes to preaching, uh, I'll speak to that one first since it's the ministry I lead here. Yeah. Um, one of the things is making sure that the, the sermons, uh, are, are gospel centered. And what that, what that means is when, when a preacher or when a pastor is pre- preaching a sermon, the main character of the sermon is not a per, it's not a person other than Jesus. Mm. Uh, that, that's, that's the hero of the story is Jesus in a gospel centered sermon. Uh, it is, uh, not you, it's not the pastor It's Jesus. And so, um, the, the text also, the way it's handled, um, for, for example, um, we come to the text to see Jesus. We don't come to the text to see ourselves. Um, and so that, that's another key difference. Um, and once we see Jesus, then we can apply that to who we are and where we are. But the goal is not to simply have an idea and bring it to the Bible to support it. Mm. The, the idea is, what does this text mean? How is this text to be applied? And specifically, what does this text tell us about Jesus? Where does it fit into the redemptive story of the whole Bible? Yeah. And so that that's a key thing. I, knowing when you're hearing a gospel, it's one of those things where you can kind of tell if you've, if you've heard a lot of gospel-centered messages, you should be able to tell. Mm-hmm. The difference, yeah. Um, but but there's things to listen for and to discern, for sure. So that'd be one area. Yeah, yeah. I think when we ask this question, you know, gospel centeredness, it's a question that we have to ask ourselves about each ministry, um, and then the the church at large as well. And and you know, it it means the same thing, but it is fleshed out a little mm-hmm. bit different because yeah. Yeah. you're going to express it differently. Like the preaching ministry to ask what does it mean to be gospel centered in the preaching ministry well they're they're preaching you know and, and right. so it's gospel centered sermons gospel. you yeah. ask how can the the parking ministry be gospel centered um you know there's a there's a different context in which yep. you you yep. a- answer that question and so a lot of the ways i'm thinking as as a church at large how are we gospel centered i think about our motivations okay what drives us um i think about what are we willing to sacrifice mm. um I think about a people that uh, where confession is is safe, yeah. where grace yeah. uh, is extended. Um, you know, a group of people that are gospel centered see fruits of the gospel. Yes, like and um, whereas a, a church where confession, you know, is frowned upon, you know, and uh, y- you know they. Mm-hmm. The gospel is not something that's celebrated necessarily. We're kind of covering and hiding ourselves. Mm. Where, where the gospel says, "Look, we can be free to to say we're sinners, yeah, and we're all sinners at the foot of the cross." And so, yeah, I think about our motivations and and, and what we sacrifice and and those those elements of confession and grace existing in a body. And if you have that, I think um, you know. And then, as Chad said, with the the gospel being preached faithfully, um, you know, you've got a, a group of people that are gospel centered. Yeah, so that's uh, that's something we're thinking through constantly is making sure that that the gospel is th- that it's evident, right? And we talk about that too. That it's not just that doesn't mean that in every ministry, like our parking 
group, you know, our parking lot guys aren't standing out there going, he is risen or, right. or, you know, any of the, God created the heavens and the earth as their parking cars. God is holy. Man. God it's is more of a shaped ministry. It's shaped. Yeah. That's it a is a shaped ministry so, as opposed to an informed ministry. Right. Well, it's, it's informed and, and shaped because those guys are gospel believers. Mm-hmm. Right? Sure. Right. They, and but so they're they not should, informing <clears throat> with the message. Right. Yeah. I think that's, that's kind of what we're trying to say is like, for it to be gospel centered mean that it's informed by it. Right. But it, that's shape. not the, the content of it necessarily. Right. right. Um, so that does look different for parking ministries or group ministries. We're talking about the gospel, but the way we do it should be informed by the gospel. Mm-hmm. So that's, I think it's a very thing, a thing that needs clarity is that just because you're talking about the gospel doesn't mean you're doing it in a gospel centered way. You could be talking about the gospel in a very hateful way mm-hmm. and that's sure. not gospel informed nor shaped. Yep. Uh, you could be telling people to go home. Yeah, when we say gospel-centered, we don't mean gospel content. We mean mm. gospel-exalting, right? Yeah. Or gospel-glorifying. Like, like So there, there has to be the positive element to it. It's just not like, there, there centric be, as far as... There should be evidence of right. the, the fact that the gospel is, like you said, is exalted in this particular place, in this particular um, position. And uh, yeah, so I think that's... When I think about gospel-centered uh, groups, for instance, I'm you know just kind of this year stepped into our groups ministry. Um, I want you know our, our groups talk about the sermons, and I want the content to be the gospel, but I also want those leaders to be building gospel-centered relationships in With that confession they are confession and grace, yeah, and extending all that mercy, stuff, yeah. extending grace, making it a, a safe place. Like we said, um, yeah, I think that's that's kind of what we're trying to permeate even to the the people who refill the coffee or, you know, how are they taking that and making it a, a caring, they're, they're loving and caring for people as Christ has loved and cared for us. Yeah. yeah in, in every case you're shaped in, and informed by the gospel, but some ministries tend to lean the, the, the expression or what it looks like right. tends to be more one or the other in some, in some areas. Mm-hmm. And seeing that connection is a really helpful thing. Um, if you're uh, if you're teaching a class at Highview, you're 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 doing a lot of informing mm-hmm. um, with the hopefully uh, for the purpose of seeing them shaped by that gospel as well. Yeah, you know, and so um, I think it's an important thing to, to to highlight as well. So how do we as we wrap up what what does this look like in the life of an individual Christian? So if we if we say these commitments are not just corporate church organizational commitments, how, how are we aiming our lives and hoping our church members and any Christian would aim their lives at gospel-centeredness? How can a person practically live out gospel-centeredness? Well, I think it's it's saying, listen, embracing the fact that what there is a story mm-hmm. that is already shaping and informing your life. Yeah. The question is, what is that story going to be? And is there a better story? And there's not a better story. Um, and so the the idea of embracing the fact that you're a story-centered creature um, and that you need a better, you were designed for this story. Embracing that is the first step, I think. Um, and, and then from there, it looks like um, how does the, asking yourself, how does the gospel affect each and every area of my life, the decisions I make, um, the things I prioritize, um, it becomes this compass in a way, this thing that's um, pushing you and pulling you and, and challenging you and changing you. Um, and uh, I think that's that's be, that'd be where I would start, at least. Yeah, the, the scripture that popped into my head 
was 1 Corinthians 6, um, 20, and the end of 19. And it's, you are not your own. You were bought with a price, right? And the price is the, the gospel, right? The story mm-hmm. of the gospel. So glorify God in your body. It, it means that, you know, whatever I do, whether I eat or drink or whatever, I, I do unto the glory of God because I'm not my own anymore. Yeah. And the gospel is telling me why I'm not my own. I was my own and I was a wretch and I was lost and I lived for myself, but I'm not my own anymore. And so I can't live for myself anymore, but I'm, I'm living for the glory of God. Amen. Um, yep. So that's our first commitment is gospel centeredness. We are shaped and informed by the gospel. It's something that we want. I mean, we put that first because we, we see it as, you know, above most importance. If any, if everything else isn't centered on the gospel, that is being driven by a different story that's not a good enough story. Um, so we, we try to massage that into every area of our church and our lives, and we hope that you would do the same. Um, we have been trying to introduce um, an, a new uh, segment to yes. this, this podcast, and uh, I, I'm not sure quite how we, how we feel about it yet. Maybe we should do a segment on this segment. <laughs> so this new segment of our podcast is called High View Hot Takes. Hot takes with high view. Hot takes with high view, where we we just sit down, we talk about some cultural thing that's happening, something that's you know going on in our world, and just our immediate, just kind of you know low grade, just beta wave <laughs> brainwave. You know, because the world yeah. needs more immediate reactionary media. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we we want to serve you in this podcast and really be helpful. See, we we do really put a lot of thought into. Like, how are we going to talk about our commitments? But then we want to also entertain you with our idiocy. So we uh, we just uh, we want to offer some quick little pithy response to, uh, to some cultural things. So today, actually, though, we're going to talk about someone that has become quite gospel-centered Praise over the last uh, month. And uh, so I want to know what your hot takes are on Kanye West. Kanye West has become a Christian. Hmm. And has released a gospel album. What's yeah? So I'll, what's, I'll, what's I'll, say I'll you? go first. So um, I am. Uh, I have not listened to a lot of hip hop in my life. I'll confess, not a lot. Not a big rap fan. That's I'm um, shocked. I uh, I'm, you know, I obviously aware of Kanye and his music, and been aware of what's been going on the last year or so in his trajectory. And um, what was his last album? Um, what was it uh, where he was king or something like that? Or uh, I can't remember how he titled it, but he was playing around with some religious stuff on his last mm. album, but it was very just outright heretical. And I would mm. you know expect nothing less. And so when I first started hearing about this, I'm kind of like, okay, you know, I expected more of the same, but as I started to really see um, some of these videos from him and, and heard the album, I was really shocked. Um, yeah. You know, there seems to be some real gospel fruit um, from uh, his, um, from what I can observe, you know, and um, this is what I'd say just overall. Um, God knows whether a person is saved ultimately, Mm. but I want to, I want to have discernment, yes, but I also want to rejoice when the gospel is doing a work in someone's life, however small. Yeah. Like, and we have to remember that, that people don't get saved and they're not theological giants immediately. Right. Like that process right. takes time. And, and all I know is that we, we had a guy who has millions of followers that put out an album called Jesus is King. Hmm. 
and everyone's talking about it. And and he's and and the album has some some really good songs on it. I listened to it, and there were moments where I stopped and was just worshipped. Mm. So um, I, I don't want to uh, to throw any cold water on that. I want to say yes and amen, Lord, and do it some more. That's my hot take on Kanye West. Yes and amen, Lord, and save his entire family. Mm. Amen. Man, what about you, Chad? What you think about Kanye West? So a few things. Uh, number one, I echo Josh's just gladness in hey this that one of the most influential people on the planet released an album called Jesus is King mm. and the number one album in the world as of recording this is called Jesus is King. Hey man, yep, which is true by the way. Jesus is King, and not in Amen. like a sarcastic, like no. in a legitimate, no, he, yeah. right. worshipful way. He's yeah, <clears throat> right. So I think first and foremost, praise be to God for that. Yeah. You know, praise be to God for that. Um, my, um, I, I don't want to say even call. My, my, I guess my caution, the only caution I have would be the because we equate in our celebrity culture, we create, we equate influence with uh, authority. Yep. And so just because Kanye West has 29 million Twitter followers and is mm-hmm. now a believer does not make him the evangelical Pope. It does not make him a theologian that we should all, this is a, a baby Christian. He actually says that too. He just has not he does. And, like, and that's he, been another like, really impressive fruit is, Mm-hmm. Is his willingness to say, I don't know. Yeah, in an interview, I don't, I don't know. He he directly says, like, he, he quotes some things and he's like, I, I'm hoping this is right, but don't like take my word for it. I'm still, I'm still a baby believer. Like, he he said, like, he understands that too, which is he's right. incredibly humble. And that's weird. It's weird to think about Kanye becoming humble because every the joke for years was. Like, I, I want someone to love me as much as Kanye loves Kanye. Th- this is like, the thing I noticed yeah. the most. And I, you know, from hearing the, all the Kanye stuff in the past and him walking up on stage and, and with Taylor Swift and grabbing the award. And yeah. Like, just so into Kanye. And the shift has now been, he talks about Jesus. That's who he talks about. He don't talk about Kanye. He talks about Jesus and Jesus and Jesus. Yeah. And, and it's like there's been a shift in what was the center of his world. He was Kanye-centered, and it seems like he's gospel Christ-centered now. And yeah. I'm just going to rejoice at that and pray the Lord would continue to grow him and, um, and use his influence for his glory. Yeah, I think the guy, uh, when a person that is this influential and has this much reach worldwide um, in, in so many different areas, you know, uh, on so many different platforms— when when a person like this, um, you know, looks like they had a conversion experience, mm-hmm. looks like there's a real a legitimate profession of faith. Um, there's two reactions that that are both I feel like both wrong. The first reaction is, well, now we have a new Jesus to follow, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. the other reaction is he's an apostate. He's all he's trying to lead us all, you know. And so this, yeah. both both are not helpful. Just be glad, yeah, that. God is clearly at work, um, and and we'll see. You know, we'll yeah. we'll see what happens. But but the fact that that I'm saying we'll see doesn't change the fact that I can be happy. Yeah. That it appears that there's been a life changed, 
And that's true whether it's Kanye or anybody else. I think what it does do, interestingly enough, it tells us what we really think about people's savability when we immediately doubt because they're a celebrity mm, or yeah. because that because they lived a certain life that this is just too that's like too crazy to believe. It, the, yeah, I, I guarantee you, there's there's someone right now out there that doesn't have 29 million Twitter Twitter followers mm. that is of reprobate as far as we would consider it. You know, mm. rap sheet and all this. They got saved. But they're not a public figure, mm. and and they're they're allowed to kind of grow in their faith. God saves yeah. everyone, and you know part of this is this public dynamic of it. You were mentioning that, you know, um, I don't know Kanye, yeah. I, I know yeah. his per- public persona, but I don't know him. But what I was really pleased with is there's a, a pastor figure in California, you know, mm-hmm. that's that's uh, kind of brought him under his wing, and I think of First Peter, shepherd the flock of God that's amongst you, like. I just want to pray that he would be connected to someone he can walk with and grow with. Yeah. You know, and, and we're not looking on from the outside thinking that we actually know him when it's it's the people's job that he's connected with in a local church to grow him, to disciple him. And, uh, you know, I just want to pray that that would happen. And, and 99.99% of baby Christians who just come to know Jesus have no platform. Mm-hmm. Yeah. None. Now, I cringe to think if if immediately after my conversion, I had had access to influencing the entire exactly. world. Exactly. And then what if, that's terri- what if, the, what thought if of that's the first terrifying. time you said yeah. something that yeah. was not quite theologically sound, yep. everyone was like, see, you're not really saved. Mm. Yeah. Like, and it was consumed by 50 million people. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and, and was judged by 50 million people when you have a thought as a... Because obviously... Your theology, we're, all of our theologies are, are always in the process of being formed and 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 refined and all that. Yeah. And so this is raw, um, you know, new Christian stuff. And you have all the, you got your old life. You're you're still. It, it's it's like you you move into a new house, but you still got the old house that's that's still there. And yeah. You're still dealing yeah. with that, and you're still you're you're kind of still in two lives in some senses, and you're wrapping up things and changing things, and and there's so much and. It's in those spaces that you say things that in ten years Kanye's saying stuff right now. If he's a real, if he's really a believer, in ten years he's gonna look back and go, "I was saying some foolish stuff back then," and like we all do, we all do that, yeah. right? So, be glad that one of the most influential people on the planet is a professing believer, mm. and be you know be conscious of uh, the fact that he's still a new Christian, yeah, and. We should give him space to figure it out. Hopefully, he's going to be discipled. Pray for the guy, and uh, and know uh, have wisdom and discernment in, in ciphering through what he says. I would say that um, no matter for any new believer, I yeah. would say that. Yeah. Amen. And I think too, this is the the verse that that immediately comes to mind when I began to see conversation online about Kanye and whether or not he was a legitimate believer or w- whether or not we should even trust it. Um, I was immediately drawn to first Corinthians six where he says, or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God or do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And verse 11 says, and such were some of you, Mm. such were some of you, but you were washed. 
you were sanctified and you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So the same Jesus that Kanye saying, I, I found, you know, he, he found me, I needed him, he's my king now, is the same Jesus that you need Amen. to be who you are. We, we also were in deep need of a new king. We didn't need like Jesus light. Yeah. Like he needed yeah. Jesus deluxe version, but we right. needed Jesus light because we're way less sinners, you know? Yeah. No, no, sir. Absolutely. Well, there you go. There's, uh, there is our first commitment at Highview Church and a heaping helping of Highview hot takes. Mm. Uh, we hope that uh, that you're enjoying these episodes. Thank you so much for listening to the Highview Podcast. Uh, if you are enjoying these conversations, please leave us a nice rating and review. And we are open on Sundays. We absolutely are open on Sundays, <laughs> 9.15 a.m. and 11 a.m. <laughs> if you would, please share these what on social happen? media. And we will, uh, I guess, see you next time. <laughs>